dream enthusiasts and welcome back to the Dream Hub podcast. Today we're embarking on a mesmerizing journey into the world of symbolism, dreams and the profound mysteries of the subconscious. Our guest today is not only a gifted psychotherapist, but also a dedicated writer and lifelong explorer of the arts. She's the creative force behind the Psyche Magic podcast, a platform where the boundaries between dreams and reality blur and the language of the unconscious comes to life. Jordan, your podcast, Psyche Magic, delves into fascinating intersection of shadow work, creativity, and spirituality. Welcome. And could you share with our listeners a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to explore these interconnected realms? Of course, Melissa. Thank you so much. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I loved that. Um, It really captures kind of what I'm trying to do with the show and with like the intersection of my interests. In terms of my journey, I actually come from a performing arts um, entertainment background. So I worked in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles for many years. And that was quite a wild time. I was in my like early to mid 20s. And it was a lot. Um, But I learned a ton. And I got a lot of good creative skills. But I also got really burned out. And so then that landed me where in therapy. (laughs) So I went to therapy. And I learned many things about myself and my sort of emotional work. And that led me onto my own journey journey of becoming a therapist, which has been so fulfilling and wonderful and really feels like my life's calling. So I'm really grateful to have found this path. Um, I work in a depth-oriented psychodynamic style, which was passed down to me from my teachers at my program, Antioch University in Los Angeles. Um, It was a very psychodynamically oriented program. So it was all about working with the depths, with the unconscious, with the shadow, with the transference. So sort of playing with the relational dynamics that are occurring between therapist and client and noticing projections and things that we're assuming about each other, trying to tease those out in real time. Um, So I'm lucky because my teachers and my first therapist all used that style. And it was the style that really worked for me. Um, So I was able to kind of find my niche early, I feel like, and I'm grateful for that too. And then that led me into the rabbit hole of the dream world and just learning about not only, you know, sort of classical Jungian psychology, um, but also just getting into more um, interesting sort of I guess you would call them like pagan and and um, occult practices around dream work um, and really learning to explore the tarot. So that has been another huge part of my journey is just learning to work with sort of the language of symbol. And as someone who's recovering from some pretty severe um, religious trauma and spiritual abuse, that openness of being able to connect spiritually, but to be able to hold these sort of symbolic metaphorical stories and pictures and let them teach us instead of having to make everything so literal. Um, That's been really healing for me too. So it's another thing that I try to sort of pass on. Whenever I learn something, I want to pass it on in case it's helpful for somebody else. So that's why I love making the show. So yeah. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) There's so many layers to that and to your journey and it's so creative and deep and not so black and white and I absolutely love that 
I find that the best therapists are the ones that have been through their own shit to start with. So um, yeah, you'd, you'd probably be amazing because you know what it feels like on the other side. So yeah, that's so awesome. So thank you. You you got really excited just then when you when you went from explaining your story to then bringing up dreams, and yes. your podcast explores a wide range of themes, including dreams, tarot, and mythology. So can you tell us a bit about how these elements do intertwine into your work? So I would say that the reason I like to incorporate, you know, each of those elements, dreams, tarot, and mythology, is that. For me, they're all methods of exploring the, you know, not only the subconscious, but also exploring the self. So I love, I'll take it like piece by piece, like I love mythology and metaphor because these are living, breathing stories that can grow with us as we evolve. They're not fixed so we're able to relate to them differently over time as we move through different, you know, layers of our own growth and journey. And so I always, when I, you know, revisit a beloved myth, right, whether it's something really classical, like a Greek myth, like Prometheus or something, or whether it's like a Disney movie, right, that's mythology too. So when I discover or rediscover a beloved myth, I feel like I always learn something new or relate to it in a different way. And that's really powerful. It makes me feel really connected. It makes me feel like there's always more to discover and to learn. And I think that's a really healing feeling um, for me specifically. It's a way to let my spirituality continue to, yeah, just evolve. Um, that's the word I keep wanting to use. Okay, so mythology and then tarot. <laughs> Same thing. So these are pictures. They're symbols. And Every picture, I mean, especially if you're looking at like a classical, you know, tarot image, like something from the Rider Waite Smith deck, they're all so rich in symbolism. And learning about and studying art history has been another way that I have felt inspired creatively, but also that I feel that every time I learn something about art or an artist, that it teaches me something about being a human. Um, it helps me feel connected. It helps me feel inspired. And it helps me feel like there is wonder and magic in the world. So I love relating to the world via art. I always joke that like I hated history in school. I thought it was so boring. But then the second I started learning about history through the lens of art specifically and the art that people were making, I was like, oh, now I care about history. <laughs> I, care, I care about what was going on because you presented it to me in a way that I can latch on to. Um, so tarot for me just ticks all of those boxes. And it ties in with what I was saying about mythology, like these symbols evolve with me. And every time I pull a card, I might relate to it a little bit differently than I had in a previous reading or when I was holding a different question. And I find that it's a really fun way to um, basically just tap into a sense of wonder and mystery. And that's the way that humans want and need to play. So mm. I love tarot. Um, <laughs> and then dreams. I have always been fascinated by dreams. So I, ever since I was literally a small child, I was wanting to talk about dreams. I feel like there's something, I don't know, ancestral past life, something there for me about dreams that has always been really significant. I've always found them fascinating. I've always known that they were meaningful just intuitively. 
And then it was really fun to get into my degree, my psychological studies, and to understand that actually learning about dreams was the backbone of how the field of psychology was actually born, modern, you know, Western psychology. Um, indigenous cultures have known that dreams were important and meaningful for centuries before that. But I I really enjoy um, working with dreams both personally and professionally. I think they cut to the quick, the core of what matters to us. And they help us, especially those of us who are unpracticed in sort of navigating our emotional worlds, understanding our emotional worlds. They do a lot of that legwork for us. They present on a silver platter like, hey, here's something that you're dealing with. It might do you well to take a closer look. So I find that it's just a really efficient way of getting into what really matters. So mm, thank you. Oh my God, there's so much in that that I'm like, oh, 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 for every little thing you're saying, okay, I'm like, oh, I want to okay. ask a billion things. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I'm assuming when you do tarot that you don't like pick up the little booklet that comes with the cards and assume from the back of that, that that's what the answers are. Can you exactly. let us know a little bit about how you pull tarot and how you come to figure out what the cards actually mean? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm so glad that you're I'm, I'm glad you want to go that direction because I do think that tarot has a lot of associations for a lot of people consciously or unconsciously of again that sort of dynamic I mentioned earlier where the sort of traumatic element of spirituality for a lot of people is losing our ability to hold myth and metaphor and symbol and possibility, and instead wanting to literalize everything, right? So for some people, tarot is having that association with, you know, fortune telling. I'm using air quotes with my fingers. Um, it, in some ways, I think a lot of people think you're going to tell them something definitive and literal about their future or about their experience. And that can feel really scary for a lot of people. So for me, coming from the background that I come from, I stay away from any sort of, um, you know, overly literal, overly, um, gosh, the word I want to use really is rigid uh, reading of any of the cards. So for me, it's about pulling a card and almost using it like a Rorschach test. So looking at the picture and just noticing what's coming up for me in this moment, the sort of felt sense that I get of this card, and just exploring that for the sake of exploring it, for the sake of being interested in my reaction and my experience. And then there are layers. So I can notice my reaction, notice what happens in my body, my emotions as I look at the card. And then I can also bring in some really interesting sort of symbolic associations. So it's kind of like dreams, right? Maybe a crocodile shows up in my dreams and that crocodile might mean something to me based on my experiences, but it might also mean something collectively about a fierce and hidden creature, right? A fierce and hidden um, threat, right? Like it can have all these different sort of um, symbolic layers based on how you're looking at it. So I feel like tarot is just endless fun because you can go in so many different directions. But for me, it's so much more about curiosity and self-discovery than it is about anything, you know, definitive or fixed. So I mm -hmm. hope that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Okay. Imagine this. Someone listens to your podcast and then they have a dream and a tarot card pops into their head. 
-hmm. How do they put those puzzle pieces together to make sense of it all and maybe find some interesting insight? So interesting. Yeah. So let's say just for the purposes of an example that maybe something about an episode or, a, you know, a, a dream or a subject that came up in an episode obviously hit a chord with them and sparked something in their own unconscious. Um, anytime that there is imagery or, I mean, even a, even a feeling that occurs in my unconscious that feels a little bit mysterious to me, um, I have to wonder if there is sort of a collective element. So I would say that one of my favorite experiences for working with this kind of thing is I really like doing a practice called focusing. Um, this is based on the work of Gen Lin, who was a dream researcher. Um, this work primarily was happening around the 1970s. But he has this technique where essentially the goal is to re-enter or re-experience a dream from the felt sense. So you're going into a dream image and you can do this in a journal. You can do this out loud with a you know therapist or a trusted um, person in your life. But basically, you're creating this sort of sensory landscape in your mind of the dream and so, you know, you orient to the images of the dream, you orient to the sounds of the dream, the feelings, the tactile sensations of the dream. And as you start to experience this, you'll start to notice that your body is responding because our body can't tell the difference between what is real and what is imaginary in our minds, right? So as I'm putting myself back in this dreamscape, I start to notice that I'm having a physical reaction, I'm starting to have an emotional reaction. And what I can do from there is I can even invite, let's say there was a tarot card. Let's say it was the Empress. Okay, one of my favorite tarot cards. She's fabulous. So let's say it's the Empress and she's there in my dream on the card. And so what you can do in a focused state where you're in your felt sense, you're in your body, is that you can even start to sort of dream the dream forward and invite a little bit more from the dream. So you could start to dialogue with this character. You could start to ask her questions. You could be curious about her. You could see if she has any response or any insight for you. So again, I'm going to use the word play. Like I love playing with my dream images in this way, seeing if there's anything that I can sort of glean from this character by treating them as their own sort of entity in my own imagination and just letting it play forward and just noticing what comes up. Um, it can definitely feel strange at first. It feels like you're like hallucinating on purpose, right? Like it could feel yes. a little bit weird. Okay. <laughs> but it's so fascinating to see how these characters really do seem to come to life. The experiences that you hear over and over again in these focusing studies is that people realize that they are bringing you know, notions, ideas that don't feel like they're necessarily their own. They feel like they're coming from more of this kind of um, broad, I would say, collective place of wisdom and insight. Like they're tapping into some source that feels really supportive and educational and life-giving. So dreams are just a doorway into that connection. Um so that's a fun little exercise. I'm glad you brought that question because it allowed me to talk about those different techniques that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, actually led a tarot workshop with a, um, a really awesome uh, podcaster here, the Tarot Diagnosis uh, here in the U.S. And um, 
they're all about talking about, you know, tarot through a mental health lens. And we did a workshop where we did that very exercise. And it was so interesting and fun. So, yeah. I love that exercise. I do it as well. I teach it, but we call it dream reentry. And love it. Yes. It's the same thing, though. Same thing. What I find is, like you said, like you're sort of forcing hallucinations. I've had people say to me, like, but aren't I just making this up? Like, is it not just my imagination? And what I believe is it is at the beginning, but our imagination is like the stepping stone into our subconscious. Like we have to kind of open the doors to it using our imagination. And then what comes from it usually feels like something that I couldn't have made up. Like it's like the bigger thing that comes is, yeah, just something that I didn't expect. And I think that's what you're talking about, that it feels like it comes from like a collective place or yeah, something unconscious because it's a shock and it's like, oh, that's not the turn of events that I expected. Um, If anything, if nothing else, it's getting you out of your usual thought patterns where you're surprising yourself and you're being inventive and isn't that a more expansive place, right? Yes. Whether you believe the more sort of like spiritual context of that or not, it's still useful. Yes. Yes. I love how you describe that. That makes so much sense. Yes, absolutely. Have you got a story of your own personal life where you've done one of these exercises um, that you'd like to share with us that kind of ended up guiding you in your life journey in some kind of a surprising way? Well, it's funny because I've actually been thinking about this. And while I have used these types of methods many times, um, the story that I want to share is slightly different but related. But it's just so it's just one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. So I'm like, hey, I I can share this on a podcast. I might as well. Right. (laughs) Um, So this was actually one of my early experiences with the dream world that really sort of blew things open for me and made me start paying more attention to my dreams and I guess just valuing my dreams more. Like while I was interested in them early in my life, I still didn't always give myself permission to take them seriously and to investigate them. But this story really changed things for me. So I... um at the time, I was seeing my current partner, my husband, and we'd been dating for a little while, not very long. So things were still good and exciting, but also it's a little scary. Like We're still getting to know each other. What's going to happen? How is this going to go? Um, so I remember the anxiety of that as I'm going into this dream. So I have this dream and he's away on a trip. And I'll talk more about that because it's relevant. Um, He's away on a trip with his friends. He's camping. And so I'm home by myself and I have this dream. And in the dream, I have this visceral experience of holding this child. And I remember that literally holding them against my chest just felt like the most loving feeling that I have ever experienced. So there were two parts to the dream. One part is me just holding this child and just like feeling that love. And in the dream, I knew that this was a child that he and I shared. That was part of my like awareness of the dream. So then in the second part of the dream, I am, you know, walking with 
this child is now older, they're like a toddler, and I'm walking with them and my, you know, now husband partner is there. And again, in the dream, it's like, this is the child that we share, right? And I woke up and I was very just a little freaked out, actually, um, because at the time, I think I maybe had some more of those kind of literalized fears around dreams. Like, well, does this mean that I'm like pregnant or something? Like, is this like, oh, I'm not ready to be pregnant? Like, oh, God. Ah. Um, So I remember being a little freaked out, but also moved like it was big. It felt meaningful. So then my husband, you know, not at the time, but now gets back from his trip and he's telling me about his trip. And he tells me that he did mushrooms with his friends, psychedelic mushrooms, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Um, he hadn't done mushrooms before. So this was a really big deal for him. And he had some really intense experiences and visualizations. And he told me that he had a visualization of me holding a child, a small, a small child, I know, <laughs> So he told me he had a vision of me holding a small child and that he had a vision of me like walking with a kid, like holding their hands and walking them towards him. Yeah. I have goosebumps all the way, even on my legs. (laughs) I love this stuff. Crazy. So I love that story, especially because it's just highlighting how dreams are our doorway into the myriad ways that we don't even understand that we are all connected Mm -hmm. at any given moment, that that connection can exist even when my husband is not even asleep, but he's in just a different, you know, mental Mm -hmm. state, right? He's Mm -hmm. altered. He's he's in a psychedelic state, but we can still link up. So that was a huge turning point for me. It just blew open my curiosity and wanting to learn more and understand more about dreams and how these phenomena happen. Um, that dream is not a dream that has come to pass literally, but that dream uh, to this day feels very symbolic in terms of what he and I have built and will continue to build together. Mm -hmm. And I remember in my little, you know, at the time I was like 25, I was like a baby, but I remember in my little 25 year old brain, it also helped me relax. It helped me feel more open and easeful with this person and less guarded. It helped me feel like, okay, there's something important here. Let me try to really step into this in an open way and let my guard down a little Mm. bit. So Mm. yeah, pretty wild. That is so cool. When you look when pretty huge. When you also look into the symbology of that dream too though, it's like your relationship with him was still in its it was a baby like it was in its infancy and you guys were like creating something new together so yeah, yes. I love that that is so cool yeah I think like, we do psychedelics and we dream and we sort of all go to the same place like it's like an astral realm and we can meet yes. up there yeah psychedelics I find are yes. so interesting my husband just got back from literally the Amazon jungle he went for two and a half weeks and while he was there he did four ayahuasca journeys wow and during one of them he had a vision of himself following the shaman and like cutting energy around the room like healing people and he asked the shaman like did i actually do that or was that just a vision and he was told no that was a vision and then the next morning at breakfast one of the other guys that was there, he was like the straightest one, like, you know, the really scientific kind, the like proof of everything. 
and he turns to Sam and he said, "I, you were in my vision last night, actually. I had a vision that you were following the shaman dancing around healing people. Like, whoa! Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, they were both seeing and experiencing the same thing that wasn't happening in this reality. So yes. it just, I love, I love seeing that there's like a whole nother place that we can go or another side to things that one or more, two or more people can meet up and experience the same visions. And I love when you hear them compare and it's like the other person had no idea and it just blows everyone away. I absolutely love it. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yes. It's fun to have a a platform for sharing that for sure. Thank you. Um, On the topic of personal dreams, you know, a lot of people have those dreams that leave them wondering, like, what the heck did that even mean? (laughs) So for people who are new to this whole world of the dream interpretation thing, I know Googling it is not a good idea, (laughs) but what's a simple way that they could start breaking down their dreams to maybe find like a little nugget of wisdom? Yes, great. I agree that I am not one for Googling dreams because, again, it's this idea of, oh, well, this dream means this, right? It's these like sort of very literal, flat interpretations. I'm like, no, these images need to be 3D. They need to be living and breathing. They need to be able to adapt. Okay, so I'm with you. Don't Google it. Just don't do it. (laughs) We're all guilty of doing it sometimes, (laughs) but take it with a grain of salt. Okay, okay, so. I would say that a great place to start, um, because as we've already discussed, there are so many layers here. This can be a very long rabbit hole if you want it to be. But great place to to start, I would say, is just getting a really solid dream journaling practice down. So giving yourself permission, again, to be interested, to be engaged enough to take the time to write your dream down. And the reason for that is that if you don't write it down the way that our brain is wired means that you're going to lose the detail and the color and the felt sensation of it. If you do nothing else, when you write your dream down, okay, and if that's all you do and you don't do anything else, just take note of what the sort of felt sense or feeling of the dream was. And again, you have to do this when you first wake up because for most dreams, they'll they'll fade away. So if you write down what you remember from the dream, even if it's not very much detailed, that's okay. And if you just take note of what you were feeling, that for me, for so often when someone someone brings in a dream to me, they get really caught up in the actual, you know, um, (laughs) I guess we could call them plot elements of the dream, right? Like the plot points. And often where we find the most meaning and healing is actually in whatever the emotional experience of the dream was. This is the sort of nugget, the way in to pointing you into that parallel into what is going on inside of you and in your emotional landscape that needs and is asking for attention from you. Okay. So let me see if I can like come up with an example. So let's say that you have a dream where, you know, this um, creature is attacking you and it's really scary and it's really intense. But at one point in the dream, you also had this sense 
that that creature like needed help somehow or something, right? So then you wake up and you're like, well, it was really, really scary and really intense, but it also felt like I needed to like help that figure, right? Mm -hmm. So you go into your felt sense of the dream and you're like, yeah, it's this dynamic where like it's it's scary, it's too much, but I also want to be helpful. And then as you're thinking about that feeling, you're remembering that there's a specific relationship in your life that feels that way, right? Like you know it because it feels the same way in your body as you're describing in the dream. So then you're like, oh, maybe there's something I need to pay attention to that's going on in this relationship that is affecting me, that's staying with me. Maybe that is what I need to notice versus like you can get caught up in like, you know, associating about like the creature and about the things that are happening. And it's like, what what are you feeling? So mm. I, I feel like that's kind of like the biggest thing I try to hone in on. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't be Googling like, oh, there was a scary monster in my dream. What does this mean? Because it'll like right. tell you you have anxiety and then you'll probably yeah, it's like, get okay. anxiety from thinking you have anxiety when it's actually got nothing to do with that. It might be like your mom really needs your help in something and you're not sure how to do it without upsetting her or something like that. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it's like, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, of course. These symbols are, are they're personal, right? They're personal. There's no one size fits all. It's just it, we're too complex for that. I'm sorry. We're human. Mm, mm, definitely. <laughs> Speaking of personal, I heard in one of your podcast episodes, you covered the topic of sex dreams. <laughs> I like this topic because a lot of people don't really talk about it. Um, so, yes, I encourage everyone to go over to your podcast and have a listen to it. I just wanted to ask, what was your favorite thing on this episode or what was your biggest takeaway from that conversation that you think people need to know about? Uh, okay, yes. This you was can really pick more than one. one if you like. Right, right. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked about this particular episode. It was a really fun one for me. I was able to interview a clinical sexologist and coach. So someone whose work I've actually been following for a long time. And she really knows her stuff. And she also is interested in sort of Jungian psychology and dream work. So it was a perfect fit. And we had a really fun conversation that actually got to like a pretty vulnerable place where we were talking about, um, you know, elements in sex dreams that can at times feel troubling, scary, right? Maybe something's happening sexually that I, in my waking life, would be really opposed to or really, um, you know, afraid of. But in the dream, it's playing out and it doesn't seem to be bothering me in the dream, right? So then you wake up, you're like, what's wrong with me? Am I this crazy messed up person? So it was really cool because she she gave a couple of examples and she and I both agreed that sex in a dream can symbolize so many things beyond just the actual physical act of sex. It can have so much to do with sort of the people in our lives that we are in different types of power dynamics with. And so it was really cool to think about these different layers of what sex can symbolize, actually. And, you know, whether it's boundaries or whether it's, you know, that sort of like power structure. And so to zoom out a little bit and go, OK, what if this isn't literal, right? What if this isn't literal? What if this is pointing me to, again, 
a emotional dynamic in my world that needs attention. So it was so cool because the place that we landed was that like, yes, sometimes sex in a dream feels literal, feels straightforward, feels like a really fun sort of fantasy that I'm playing out. And again, the clue is in our felt sense. The clue is when I wake up and I notice what's happening in my body, right? My physiology, what's being played out here. But in a lot of cases, sex in a dream can if we can regard it as a little bit more of just like a neutral symbol and be curious about that, then we can get something really like somewhere really meaningful and interesting. So it's about just kind of reducing the taboo, right, of sex. And if sex shows up in a dream, can I be curious about what kind of the symbolic layers might be to, um, yeah, the the symbol symbolization of sex i would say so yeah i hope that's i hope that's helpful it was a really it was a really cool conversation she was so great yeah that is really good because i know look i'm not going to say i know a lot of people but i've heard a lot of people and i know personally for me i've had sex dreams about people that you know in waking life i shouldn't be having sex with and i don't right i don't want to like honestly like to the point of like co-workers friends or even my sister and I woke up Uh so grossed out about that but it wasn't anything to do with that it was just the closeness that we have in our relationship yes this is why it's so important to I'm so glad that you vulnerably shared that because we get stuck when we feel shame around it feel like there's something wrong with us and then we hide it and it goes further into the shadow right Whereas if we can talk about it and be curious about it, then we often find, oh, my gosh, there's this really sort of innocuous, harmless meaning there yes. that actually is very significant. Yeah. And can be quite uh, The beautiful. example with your sister is such a good, that's such a good example of exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah because I know like as soon as I woke up, there was like the weirdest feelings because my conscious mind came back in being like, ew, <laughs> this is wrong. This is taboo. No, guilt, yeah. guilt. Don't tell anyone. Like, I don't even call her like really like shame shame feelings and it's like no don't feel shame like if you have a sex dream about someone it's not something to be ashamed of in any way but yeah yeah, like you said like look at the different dynamics in your relationship and even the feeling that was in the dream because for me the feeling was just love like that was it it wasn't yeah Exactly. The unconscious doesn't hold those, you know, the stigma and the taboo around sex that so many of our cultures do. Um, The unconscious is just like, oh, this is just a neutral symbol. Like, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it freaked out? (laughs) (laughs) So when you talked about like shoving that stuff down into our shadows, I know you talk a lot about shadow work. Um, on your podcast and I've got a few episodes about shadow work on mine as well but could you explain kind of what it is and how it could be a transformative tool for personal growth and self-acceptance absolutely I use the term I don't know about you but I use the term shadow work to encompass exactly what we're talking about working with unconscious elements, right? Like aspects of our experience that play out unconsciously in dreams, in fantasy, that may, from our waking life perspective, hold some taboo or some stigma or shame or challenges. 
But if we're able to be curious about them and approach them with openness, then we're able to make sense of them and integrate them. So shadow refers to the Jungian concept that there are these aspects of ourselves and our experiences that because of our conditioning, our conscious conditioning, we deem to be wrong, bad, exiled, okay, to use a therapy term, right? Like family systems therapy. These are the exiled parts of ourselves and our experiences that somewhere along the way, for whatever reason, we um, created this narrative that they were wrong and bad and should never see the light of day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as a queer person, I would say that my queerness was a shadow element for a long time in my life. It was something that I received conscious and unconscious, I would say, messaging, subliminal messaging around that not being okay and that being wrong. So in my little, you know, young brain, the the idea was, okay, I, I got the message that that is bad. I have to just make that go away. That can't be true. That can't be real about me, about my experience. So then that becomes shadow. That becomes a hidden part And we know that as we get older, if we don't deal with our shadow, it has a way of rearing its head and making itself known, wanting attention. All of our parts deserve love and acceptance and attention, right? So in this regard, I got to a point in my life where not addressing that shadow element was not working for many reasons. And I had, if I wanted to be a healthy human being, I had no choice but to look at the shadow and try to bring it into the light and be vulnerable and talk about it. So I would say that, you know, oftentimes our dreams working with the unconscious is a really great way to get a shortcut into what some of our shadow feelings and parts might be. Um, The unconscious is just showing us things that we might not let see the light of day very often consciously that we might be repressing. So it's again, it's just a really good window into that, especially if if we're having trouble finding it in our conscious brains. Our unconscious is like, here it is. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> I need to look at this. Whenever you're ready. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like force you to do anything, but like here it is. I'll just keep giving you repetitive dreams until you, you pay attention. <laughs> this is still here. But wait until you get really drunk and try to make out with your friend. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Okay. Yes. That's another sort of like shadow dynamic. Right. I'm in an altered state of consciousness. And so all of a sudden it's a little bit more of a permeable barrier between Mm -hmm. my shadow and my persona. So, yeah, good example there, too. (laughs) So thank you for being so vulnerable as well. And vulnerability is like a key element in shadow work. Right. And also in creative expression. Yes. Um, how do you actually encourage your guests and your clients and your listeners to embrace vulnerability as a path to growth and authenticity? I suppose I for me, I kind of, I try to lead by example and just yeah, be open. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, that certainly helps make it feel more safe to, to, to be able to lead from that place of, I'm going to be vulnerable. So that means that you have an invitation to be Mm. vulnerable as well. Right. And now I will say that part of the reason that I enjoy having the podcast in addition to my clinical work is that it's not always appropriate in a clinical setting for me to be like, here's all my vulnerability too. And then it's 30 minutes into their hour. Right. Like that would not be that would not be appropriate. So I love having the podcast because I feel like I get to be more of a sort of person first 
and I'm not showing up in this way where really I'm supporting the other, right, more so than I am opening up. Like that's just the nature of therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, it's it's a dance. It's a fine line because your your clients need to know that you're a real person. <laughs> they need to be able to relate to you. So I like having these like separate sort of, you know, platforms. But I will say that on my in my work and and specifically on my show, the reason that I like to start out by pulling a tarot card is that it's a way of playing together mm-hmm. and being open to whatever comes up and exploring and neither of us know what to expect and what's going to happen. And we're both just kind of wading into these symbolic waters together. And I find that it helps us both feel more at ease. It helps us let our guards down. It helps us feel like we can connect. So I feel like using that that sort of like symbolic practice and just kind of like playing in that realm feels really helpful for mm-hmm. for fostering vulnerability and then when we get into the dream portion i feel like that's another it's a similar uh process where we're kind of wading into these murky unconscious waters neither of us quite know what we're going to find but there's just that safety curiosity and non-judgment right mm-hmm. like That's what it takes. So, yeah, I really I love these conversations because they I mean, I guess I I would say that they're like a corrective emotional experience for me. It's like it's an ability to show up and be with someone in a way that just feels really safe and Mm. contained. And that's just a nice experience. I just like it. Yeah. Yeah. I love being in environments where everybody feels safe to just be completely themselves And that's what I say, like when we have people over to our house or something, if it's someone new or someone brings their new girlfriend and she's shy, I'm like, mate, like, don't worry about anything in our house. Like, let your freak flag fly (laughs) and just be yourself. And I love just seeing people relax after that and, yeah, just being themselves. I love that. There are obviously like a few common challenges when people start on the journey of self-discovery and shadow work. Like I know personally, there's a lot of like, oh, what are people going to think of me? How are they going to react towards me? What are some common challenges that you've encountered and and how did you navigate through? I'm going to say the annoying thing because it's true. Mm-hmm. Anytime that we are in a dynamic of fear, anxiety, and avoidance, oftentimes the thing that we most need is to take one step outside of our comfort zone. And it doesn't have to be like the biggest, scariest step that you can imagine. In fact, that's honestly not helpful most of the time because it's too much. But if there is a small step, like one out of 10, like a level one or two step that I can take, even if it's just opening up to one person about kind of like what I'm experiencing or what's going on for me, that gives me the opportunity to have a phrase I used a minute ago, which is a corrective emotional experience. I got to do the thing that was really scary and it wasn't terrible. Mm. So then my system gets to hold that truth and that reality instead of the assumption and the avoidance that it will be awful. And then that avoidance just feeds more avoidance because I'm realizing that, yes, every time I avoid this and I feel better, then I realize that there is something to fear here and I have to avoid it again. So if I can take one small step out of my comfort zone and have it go well, then that gives me more information. It gives me more Mm -hmm. data and it gives me more freedom to take another 
step and then another step. So yeah, for me, that that's <laughs> that's an ongoing process. I'm practicing that in real time all the time. Not always successfully, but... <laughs> I really love this approach and that you use it in that way. I use this approach when people come to me with big dreams and like recurring dreams that they know that they need to take action on, but they're too scared to take the big action. And it's like, well, I've just had this dream and I've just had this huge realization. Like, is it too soon to be, you know, picking up my house and moving across the country because that's what my soul wants? Mm. Then it's like, well, can't, what one tiny step could you do? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when we take the action from our dream or what our dreams are wanting us to do, then it gives us more information, like you said. And yes, yes, yeah, so you get more and more. Um, so it might be like, yes, yeah, looking up what the weather is like over there or, you know, looking up what the prices of the houses are where you want to go or something. It doesn't mean you actually have to get up and go straight away. It's like just a little like dip your toe yes. in the water and see. Absolutely. I don't know if you subscribe to this, but I absolutely agree. And I would add that it also perpetuates that dialogue that we're in with our subconscious when every time I take one small step it shows my subconscious that I'm listening and that I'm hearing it and then it might give me something else right it's this little dance that we're doing where we're responding to each other so if I take a small step then I'm communicating to the subconscious like I'm with you I hear you you can give me more insight like I'm I'm here for it yes yeah. So then that kind of when you are in that state with yourself and you realize that you're more than just you, your ego, and that there's way more to you and there is this little dance and there's this little internal relationship that sort of brings about spirituality and that's usually intertwined with personal growth. And you were talking earlier about having some trauma related to religion and exploring spirituality. Would you want to talk about that at all? I can definitely talk about that. I don't have I... To. You don't want to. <laughs> I mean, hey, look, we could be here for hours, right? There's plenty <laughs> that I could say about that. But the thing I'll share that might be relevant or helpful to someone else is that for me, the biggest part of what I would call now my sort of deconstruction journey out of a very fundamentalist and fixed religious group into a more sort of spiritual but not religious place, right, which feels much more free and healthy to me, I would say that the biggest part of that was actually learning one it was a religion class that I took in college and it was just it was a very basic like world religions class nothing fancy um but I took that class and I was able to just see very clearly how many similarities there are between all of these different systems of of belief and thought and mythology that is so meaningful to all these different cultures around the world equally right so it was such a huge eye-opener for me to understand that, wow, again, you could call this collective unconscious, right? Like every culture around the world throughout history has found their way to some kind of spirituality, right? It, I would argue that it's a part of human nature. 
And so um, for me, it was one, just understanding that like, oh, wow, it doesn't have to be that there's a right way and, and a wrong way. It could be that we're all connected in this, in this impulse, in this like seeking. Um, so that's very expansive and helpful versus closed off. Um, the other thing that really helped me, though, honestly, was tarot. Like I started pulling tarot cards, playing with tarot and just letting myself have this experience over and over again of what Jung would call synchronicity. So feeling seen deeply in the card that I was pulling uh, over and over and over again um, and not in some sort of bland, cold read, blanket statement kind of way, but like really powerful connections time and time again. And so the more that I got to have that experience, the more that I just started to feel this, this sort of connection, this sort of like inherent spirituality, this inherent um, interconnection with all that is and all the living things around me. And that to me has been incredibly healing and empowering. And if people are looking for that, I want to talk about it with them because I it's yeah, it's been life changing to me. Um, and tarot was like my little it was like my little entry point into that feeling. So, yeah, I, I owe a lot to tarot, I would say, mm. actually. Yeah, thank you. You're all about the magical and mystical. And I love that. I love when you see magic happen in this reality like I said like at the beginning of the thing where like two stories are shared and they're the same and yeah with the synchronicities of the world and it's like undeniable I absolutely Beautiful. love that besides tarot do you have any personal rituals or practices that are related to all this sort of topics that you'd like to share with anyone I really lean heavily on at this point I would call it sort of like a somatic experiencing type of therapy. And for me, sometimes what that looks like is like being dysregulated and needing to like dance and sing. <laughs> so it's really just, again, it's about that felt sense, like being able to tune in to what's happening in my body. And then also ask myself, like, what form of self-care or expression might help me process whatever's going on. So I would say that a lot of sort of somatic work and somatic experiencing work, yoga was another big entry point to me for go going from like complete disconnection from my body and therefore my emotions, right? Because they go together. So complete disconnection from my body and my emotions into like starting to understand and listen to my body yoga was like a huge bridge in that gap so i would i would file yoga under like a somatic therapeutic mm. technique um so yeah for me it's like it's really the somatic stuff and also meditation i started a meditation practice mm, probably close to 10 years ago now and when i say a meditation practice i mean i started by literally listening to one to two minute guided meditations like in my car when I was in between like one work activity going to the next work activity I would listen to like one to two minutes I started there and I slowly built it over time but it's something that I do every single day and it's something that grounds me makes me feel connected makes me feel in tune with my own experience and what's going on and helps me just slow down 
Mm. Helps me get out of my sort of like urgency rushing trauma Mm. response that I so often find myself in. So, yeah, those are kind of the big ones for me. I mean, there's probably tons of other stuff, but those are the ones that are coming to mind. Yeah, they're huge. I know when I do yoga, I definitely feel my intuition open up a lot and the same with meditation. And I feel like it also clears space for me to have better dreams that night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think that our intuition is, in a lot of ways, our connection to like our bodies and our experiences. It, they're the same thing. I think for a long time, I thought that your intuition was like up here. I'm pointing like above my head. Like I thought it was like up here and that your body was like separate. <laughs> and then I think along the way, I've come to understand that it's actually one and the same thing. The more connected I am to myself and what's going on inside me, the more connected I feel to spirit. Like mm. it's just like a two-way yeah. street. Yeah, because then your body's not so closed off. You can actually let like the energy flow through you and around yep. you and surround you. And so season three of the Psyche Magic podcast is on the horizon. What kind of juicy topics and themes can listeners expect to get lost in? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm very excited for season three. Um, I I can't believe I've done three seasons of this podcast. I'm so happy about that. I will be interviewing. Well, I'm still working on my slate for this season, but I'll be interviewing some really great artists, musical artists, visual artists. I'm interviewing a death midwife. So this is a fascinating world to me, like people who help people sort of cross over and like go through that experience with them. I just think that's incredible. I have this whole other set of interests around like mediumship and like spirit connection. So I'm really excited about that conversation. I think that's going to be really cool. I'll be interviewing, I'm sure, more therapists, coaches, healers, because those are my people. Yeah, I'm hoping to interview a filmmaker as well on this season. Um, And I've also just started a really fun series Uh, It's a weekly gathering where anyone who wants to to join can join. It's a Zoom meeting. But it's basically like parallel play where we get together and we all have like a a creative intention or something that we want to work on creatively. And I like sort of set energetic space, like call a circle, create space for creativity. I do like a little ritual. And then everyone can break off and work on their creative activity for a good like 30, 45 minutes, like get into like a flow state. And then we come back together and we talk about like how it went and what's inspiring us. So it's really just like a little artist collective. It's like for people who want a little more structure around their creativity, but who struggle to, you know, find the time and find community around that. So I'm trying to incorporate more of that because You were saying earlier, and I really agree with this, that like shadow work and creativity go together. Mm -hmm. The more that I am working with my shadow and my unconscious and healing, the more space I find to be creative and enjoy my my time on earth and my experience in that way. I view creativity as life force. Like I think it's one Mm -hmm. and the same thing. So I'm trying to make more space for creativity and I'm inviting people along with me while I do it. So just had to shout that out too. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> it's um, really fun. I got super excited when you were talking about the death doula because I'm also really, I was, yeah, I'd say pretty obsessed with 
um, the topic of dreaming with the deceased and having people who have departed come and visit in their dreams. And I've had personal experiences of like kind of being a medium through my dreams where I've had my husband's nanny come and visit me. And in my dream, I was like, but how do I know it's actually you? And I asked her to give me proof. And she gave me just a bunch of numbers. So I kind of wrote down the numbers really quickly and went and showed it to him. And he just went like white and covered in goosebumps. And I was like, what? And apparently the numbers that she gave me were her lottery numbers. And they were the numbers of everyone's birthdays in their family, like of the date they were born. So I would have had no idea. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I can do it. I can do it. Like, that's amazing. Amazing. Um, (laughs) So I just. Oh, my God. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about you and do you have a story that you could share? Yeah. So I, um, I have not necessarily experienced that kind of thing in my dreams. I don't think. If I thought about it more, I might be able to come up with something. But I, too, am fascinated by mediumship and spirit connection. And I won't tell the whole story here. Um, Actually, I do talk about it on my podcast. Um, But I had this crazy experience where I was in a session with a client one time and they were talking about a loved one who had passed away. And I had the craziest, like... Basically, what now, what I would call like a clairsentient experience. So essentially what's happening is that a spirit is present and my physical body is responding. So the best way that I can describe it is that I felt in one sense, I felt like I was in this sort of like tunnel Okay, so I felt like this person that I that I was sitting with physically was like getting like further away from me and it felt like this like crazy like sort of tunnel vision. And then this their loved one who like showed up in the room with us felt like this just really beautiful and intense energy and it was like on one side of my body and I could it almost felt like someone was waving their hand at me like almost like there was a little bit of like wind and it felt The best way I've described it to people is that it felt like a weighted blanket of love just like descended upon the room. And my client felt it too, which was so wild. And we had this like beautiful conversation about it. And it it's kind of like the dream I told you about earlier where my husband and I linked up and it blew my world open. This blew my world open. I was like, what is mediumship? I want to learn about this. I want to understand what the heck is going on. Um, and I'm still on just such a journey about wanting to learn and understand. And I'm completely fascinated. Like, I'm hooked. Mm. I just think it's amazing. Mm. So I love your story. And I absolutely believe in that kind of thing. And I think it's incredible. Definitely try to channel in your dreams then. And yes. what you could do, if there's someone on the other side that you want to meet up with, write them a letter and put it under your pillow. Yes. Yeah. And then oh, just I see what it. happens. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yes, absolutely. I will. Because you're right. That is such an excellent sort of training ground, like playground for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Definitely. It's just just endless. Like there's just so much to explore and discover. And it's just so fun. And I love meeting people who are just so genuinely excited about it. It just makes me so happy. So 
Oh, this just lights me up. Thank you. This is so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your stories and sharing your wisdom. Um, As we wrap up this little heart to heart, what is one extra little bit of wisdom or encouragement that you'd like to sprinkle on our listeners who are on their own journeys? Oh, I guess the takeaway that I want to give you is that something that I often say is that I truly feel like dreams are free therapy. Like, I I know that the system of healthcare, especially in the United States, is just completely broken and it's a mess and therapy can be hard to access. So I want people to know and empower themselves that your dreams are presenting therapeutically rich material to you all the time. And if you give yourself permission to pay attention to that material, it will be helpful to you. <laughs> in a way that some therapists could never even touch because it's yours. It's coming from you and it's deeply, deeply meaningful. So give yourself permission to investigate and let it let it marinate, let it be with you. Because yeah, it's pretty much free therapy just happening every night. Definitely. And I love the part that I don't have to waste not waste, but like spend the first three sessions explaining the background of my whole life and my who my family is and what I've gone through to then get their opinion, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars later, like your dreams already know all of it. So you don't even have to have that introductory session. That's right. It's like the best therapist you'll ever have just being like, hi, here's the thing. Um, No, it's so true. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing all of that information. That was such a good chat. Yeah, I, I learned a lot. I loved hearing some of your stories too. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs>